Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Time now for the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Yes, yes. Welcome into the Balloon Party. 101 ESPN, Tim McKernan. Action Jackson with you here on the presentation. Come on in. The water is warm, friends. We have an hour with you. Dan McLaughlin going to be joining us today on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. And we welcome you anytime to get involved texting in 65780, the Air Comfort Service text line. Jackson, we recorded uh, our Pick 6 podcast last night, which is a, a gambling podcast in which most of the people are well below 500. I'm 54% against the spread. And in a, in a monster, surprising development, you, as your lock of the week, gave us what? Uh, I liked Blues, uh, Blues Penguins under six goals. How did you arrive at the conclusion for a game that finished with eight goals? Well, it, it was a play that was given to me. And the person what, you, said, had ins- you had inside word. What are you, Gordon Gecko? I just someone said, "Hey, Blues." They know I do the Pick Six podcast, and they said, "Hey, Blues under tonight. I really like it." I said, "Okay, you know what you're talking about." So, and he obviously did. Yeah, he was really. Uh, yeah, he texted me and apologized, but you know, win some, lose some. That's right. If you can go sixty percent against the spread, you can be uh, living quite well. Uh, but in this case, uh, we've seen a lot of games here uh, after the long COVID break in the NHL. I have some. Big numbers. Last night, the first period of the Blues and Penguins, uh, the Blues were withstanding the Penguins' rush, and Jordan Bennington was kind of saving the day. And in the second period, the Blues turned it on. That Tarasenko move to set up the Cairo goal was a thing of beauty. I mean, a thing of beauty. It almost got me out of my Twitter retirement. It (laughs) almost got me out of my Twitter retirement. And I'm thinking, man, here's a team that they're playing in the Pittsburgh Penguins that have won eight games in a row, not fully healthy themselves. The Blues have gotten their roster back. And even though they're not playing well, here they are leading this team in their building. And what does that say for the Blues? That they're on the verge of beating this team. It's red hot. And then it collapses really quickly. But it collapses because of some questionable officiating. And it's just such a shame when you have a game, especially with a second period of that caliber, you have the intensity with seeing Sidney Crosby in a fight, taking stitches, coming back out on the ice. The Penguins, of course, respond. You just knew that was going to happen. Darren Pang immediately saying on the TNT broadcast that, hey, you just hope that this, uh, well, you just know because you can't say on the TNT broadcast that that this could spark the Penguins. Um, But then the Blues responded. 
And you're thinking, man, they might be able to get this, even though they're not playing well against this team. And then in a matter of 12 seconds, it's all changing. And it starts with the goalie interference non-call in the Blues challenge. And we have Craig Berube's comments on this following the game because this was the moment. As Ryan O'Reilly said after the game, this is what it all came down to. Here's what Berube said. Yeah, for sure. The goalie had the puck, knocked it out of his, um, in the crease. Crosby come through the crease, his foot's in the crease, knocked it out of his hand and scored a goal. It's goalie interference. Uh, did you think it was similar to the one at the other end with Mikula? Uh, the, the penalty? The goalie interference against uh, you guys That's earlier. A- uh, Mikula penalty? Yeah. That's a terrible call. Terrible call. That's not goalie interference. That's not a penalty. I enjoy the bluntness. Now, I know that that might lead to uh, some issues for him, but I enjoy the bluntness. Now, part of me wonders if the Blues were acting on behalf of their netminder who would put them in position to kind of steal one in Pittsburgh. Jordan Bennington was adamant that that was interference. And so, therefore, Craig Berube was in a weird spot, and he had to make the play. Now, whether or not deep, deep, deep down he thought it was and it was worth the risk, we don't know. But he's going to stand up for his guys. That's what he's going to do. That's what he did throughout his playing career. That's what he's done since he's been coaching here in St. Louis. And so he did it there. But unfortunately for the Blues and Blues fans, it did not work out. Pittsburgh then gets another goal, and just like that, that which looked like it was going to be a great win goes away, and the Blues wind up losing it in Pittsburgh by a score of 5-3. to three. And Jackson, if you did indeed wager, it cost you, and it cost you dearly, sir. So you would be a, a banty little rooster about this development. Yeah, I thought it was hot after first period, nothing, nothing, and then, yeah, got hot. But that Jordan Cairo is super. I saw some highlights of him with four goals in three games. That's incredible. He is, uh, from the moment he came up, he's been flashing, and he has carried it over, and that goal uh, last night on the Tarasenko feed uh, was just a thing of beauty. And you're thinking, man, they you know, they didn't have it in the first period, really hadn't been playing well in general in the game, and then they just got it going. And you're thinking, here we go. This is going to be an incredible win. And just like that, in a matter of seconds, literally seconds, it turns around and goes against them. So the Blues lose last night 5-3. to three. We'll talk it over with Dan McLaughlin coming up uh, at 10.30. So at the bottom of the hour here on Balloon Party on 101 ESPN, he will be joining us to discuss the Blues. And I'm also looking forward to getting his perspective on what Max Scherzer had to say. Now, some players have just gotten in a spot where they're saying absolutely nothing. Probably instructed to do so. Max Scherzer is at a different point in his career. And Max Scherzer is in a position uh, where he can say things. And so in an interview with the Los Angeles Times yesterday, Scherzer said the following regarding baseball's work stoppage. This negotiation is about the integrity of the game from our eyes. We feel as players that too many teams have gone into a season without any intent to win during the past collective bargaining agreement. And even though that can be a strategy to win in future years, we've seen both small market and large market clubs embrace tanking, and that cannot be the optimal strategy for the owners. Now, Scherzer just signed this big deal with the Mets this offseason, and he is the top MLB player rep. Um, 
and he was voted there for three years ago. He has been accusing MLB management of manipulating service time and said teams are putting long-term discounted extensions in front of players before a player even makes his debut. They're told, take the extension, and you will be in the big leagues tomorrow. But if you don't sign it, you will stay in the minor leagues. Playing in the big leagues is everyone's dream, and teams are now leveraging that desire to gain financial control over a player's career. These are Max Scherzer's words. I'd be curious if you put it to a poll where people come down right now on this. And I hate to give the option of a both, but if I ask the question, who do you blame more for the work stoppage? Owners, players, and I will include both. Um, where do you think the action would come in? Where do you think we would be on that? I think naturally people like to side with players that's over, right. over I agree the with super that. rich owners. That's, so I, that's the nature of almost every work stop. It's human nature to side with the, with the players. I think I, uh, it would probably be 75% players. I agree with where Scherz was coming from on the tanking. And, I, and this is something that these guys have been talking about for a few years. I cited the Adam Wainwright interview yesterday on the show. Adam Wainwright sat down with us in 2019, and he's saying it's going to happen. There is going to be a work stoppage. We're tired of this. But what he was upset about at that time was the fact that we had this huge free agent class, and most of the guys, if not all of the guys at that time, and keep in mind we're at spring training, hadn't signed. So there was just, he's just like, oh, I mean, it's not being said, but it's collusion. And then he was pulled aside and said, hey, you can't say that stuff again. So the players have been upset for a while. And then you see, like he said, big market teams, I'm sure one of the ones he's referencing, the Chicago Cubs, uh, have been enacting this strategy. And yes, sometimes it has worked. See the Chicago Cubs. See the Houston Astros. But if you are only going to have a third to a half of the teams actually trying to win over the course of a season, well, of course, what that does for the player pool is it limits free agency. So it is indirectly colluding, and that's the case. Now, my concern is nobody is going to budge on this, and you are going to have what amounts to a disaster for the sport. I just don't see. I, I, I wagered with the audience on, uh, on Tuesday. I don't see this thing getting worked out before spring training. I would give odds on it, as a matter of fact. I just don't see it happening before spring training. And as somebody who loves the game of baseball, it concerns me that the game already has a lesser equity with younger people as it is. And now, if you go into a spot where they're not even playing, you could have a disaster for the sport that goes well beyond 2022. So with Dan, as somebody who I know loves the game, calls the games, has been around the game for so many years... I'm curious what his position is on this, um, because this is something that I think is more significant than what we saw in 1994. Baseball is, is from my standpoint, even though it's an early call, it's teetering on the brink. And so if baseball allows itself to get in a spot where it misses spring training and portions of the regular season, you could have monster ramifications that go well beyond just 2022. So Max Scherzer's comments uh, were very forthright, like we were talking about with Craig Berube, and I appreciate that. But again, talking more big picture on it, I'm worried. I'm worried. 
I mean, when my son was born in 2017, one of the first things I thought about was taking him to a Cardinal game. I still haven't done it because I my, my first Cardinal game, I was five years old. Lonnie Smith inside the park home run. August of 1982, the next day, Glenn Brummer steals home, and I am hooked for life because two months later, the Cardinals would win the World Series. And so I didn't want to take him when he was two or three because, like me, I was five. I wanted to be able to rem- him to remember something from it. And that moment, I still can picture going with my mom and my dad and seeing Lonnie Smith running around as Jeffrey Leonard of the Giants, I believe, was in the outfield, later hated in the 1987 NLCS, and uh, fumbled around with the ball, and Lonnie Smith's round in the base, and my dad says, I've never seen it before, an inside-the-park home run. It's my first game. I see that. Then the next day, Glenn Brummer steals home, and I fall in love with the game. And I, of course, want my son to be able to experience that. But what's going on now is kids are getting more into soccer, which is great. I personally love soccer, but I'm talking about watching games in the early morning and getting into EPL teams. Uh, I'm I'm not seeing younger people as enthused about the game of baseball as what it was like. And if you have a work stoppage and then parents are now turned off to the game, what that will then have an impact on their children and the game going forward. And that, from a macro standpoint, is where I am on the game of baseball. And Scherzer's point regarding teams clearly not competing is a huge issue. Because when you look at the Cardinal schedule, right now you could look at it and go, okay, well, they're playing the Pirates, so you know that's kind of a you know seven games and 12-game stretch where it's going to be a, well, you hope you get five of them because you know the Pirates are going to be horrible. And I guess the Cubs are kind of retooling, so yeah, it's a rivalry, but the Cubs probably aren't going to be very good. And you can just kind of go through where the game, it's almost like looking at a college football schedule in advance. You can go through and go, okay, yeah, K-State and Manhattan like to get that one, could lose it. Well, playing against Georgia, you know that's going to be tough. Well, Abilene Christian's on the schedule. Better win that one or else it's going to be a bad year. That's what baseball has turned into. So good for the players from that standpoint. Now, I know the players have their own self-interest. Don't get me wrong. I don't have my head in the sand on it. But with regard to half the teams just flat out not even trying, that's a problem for the game. Now, the players are probably upset about it because it limits their free agency. But from the game standpoint, they certainly can spin it to the public that it's bad for the game. And in this case, I agree with them. All right, it is uh, 10-16 in St. Louis. You are listening to Balloon Party on 101 ESPN, this Clarkson Jewelers time check, uh, telling you that it's 10-16 and 14 minutes away from our conversation with Dan McLaughlin. Tim McKernan, Action Jackson Burkett with you. This is Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back to Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. Tim McKernan, Action Jackson Burkett with you here on the presentation coming up. On the Brown and Croup and Celebrity Line, the great Dan McLaughlin, St. Gabriel's Class of 1988. I'm St. Gabriel's Class of 1990. Why don't you text in what grade school you went to? Because I know we're all passionate about our basketball programs at our grade schools. A 65780, the uh, Air Comfort Service uh, text line, is how you can text into the presentation. Jackson, uh, you don't usually get breaking news in the morning, but we've got a little breaking news this morning yeah. with Mizzou football. Yeah. Uh, we are both uh, University of Missouri guys, and uh, Gabe DeArmond of Power Mizzou in my class at the University of Missouri Journalism School, uh, he decided to graduate, whereas I am still working on eight credit hours. But uh, he uh, he is reporting that Mackay Wingo of uh, St. Louis, as a matter of fact, uh, has notified the University of Missouri that he is going to 
transfer. He has confirmed to Gabe DeArmond and his staff at Power Mizzou that he will indeed be entering the NCAA transfer portal. Uh, Wingo's a St. Louis native who appeared in all 13 games for the Tigers this season as a true freshman, made four starts, and uh, he was just named to the SEC all-freshman team. Um, uh, Gabe uh, said it's a shock to everybody. I'm a PowerMizzou.com member, and he's involved in the discussion in there. And he said this one is a shock. Sometimes you can kind of see things coming. I think the Daniel Parker one was one you could see coming. But this one is a a big surprise. Uh, Reading from PowerMizzou.com, Wingo's departure comes as a surprise, not just because of his role during his first year on Missouri's campus, but because he was the first high school prospect to commit to the Tigers following the higher of Eli Drinkwitz when he did so in January of 2020. Following his senior season at DeSmet, Wingo was named the Missouri Gatorade Player of the Year. So Wingo out, and this move coming as a surprise to people who follow it closely, such as my cohort uh, from the University of Missouri Journalism School, the great Gabriel DeArmond. Uh, Jackson, Yep. what's your reaction? You know, there's so much that we don't know. There's so many factors that are possible out there to why he's leaving. Um, So you never really, truly know. But with the incoming freshman class, that's certainly a factor. And, you know, everyone's got to do what's best for them and their best interest. Coaches do it all the time, have been doing it for years. So I absolutely believe players should as well. So what what intrigues me about the situation here is, well, a couple things, specifically to Wingo. And this is the this is a theory. I want to make a hundred percent clear. We're we're in speculative mode. His high school coach just became an assistant coach um, under Brian Kelly at LSU. LSU. Yeah, I read that. So that's perhaps related, perhaps not. It's not like he's some random in the SEC. He's on the all freshman team. Yeah, no, he's no slouch. And uh, LSU is looking to rebuild. And a lot of that's going to start on their defensive line. So you might be able to connect the dots. So if you're trying to figure out how something this surprising happened, well, uh, Robert Steeples, who was at DeSmet just a couple of years ago um, and then went to the Vikings and now has gone to join Brian Kelly in Baton Rouge, uh, was just named uh, defensive assistant on December 29th. And here we sit on January Sixth, maybe it explains it, maybe it doesn't. Honestly, as a Missouri fan, it would make me feel better if he winds up at LSU. And the reason would be, okay, he loves his high school coach. He has a chance to go play for him and be a part of LSU. That makes sense to me. If you start losing those caliber of players and they just basically put up the free agency sign, yeah. like Caleb Williams, for example, sure. that concerns me. So... That's what I'm hoping winds up happening, which I know may sound weird that I hope that that's the reason. But if that's the reason to me, that's one that I can I can reason out. Yeah, it's not an indictment on Mizzou. It's it's more I want to go play for my high school coach at LSU. Yes, who's an incredibly popular guy with his players. I mean, look at what he you go from DeSmet to the Vikings yeah. to LSU. I yeah. mean, he's on a trajectory. Yeah. That's a guy I was trying to get on the podcast before he left. Yeah, that would be a great guess. I was trying to get him on, and we just we missed connections with COVID, and so we weren't able to do it. But I was like, I've heard so many great things about him. And, uh, you know, there's some speeches from in, uh, in-game 
uh, locker room talks he has with his players. You just go, you can tell why this guy resonates. Some of these guys just have a presence, and uh, Robert Steeple certainly does. Eli Drinkwitz is somebody I know a lot of Missouri fans have bought into, in particular because of what he's been able to do with recruiting. Well, here's his first recruit, and here's his uh, first recruit now entering the transfer portal. That certainly is a concern, but the way I'm able to rationalize it at the moment is that he is in a spot where uh, he may be going to play for a guy he holds in high esteem and at a program the caliber of LSU who is in a defensive rebuilding mode in particular, even though they have transfers with their quarterback as well. Brad Johnson's son's going. But from that standpoint, it it would make sense, and I could, I could reason on that one. If I set the over-under, Action Jackson, if I set the over-under, it's six and a half wins – for the 2022 Missouri Tigers, still while knowing there's there's work to be done and who knows what's going to happen between now and the start of the season at Middle Tennessee State, six and a half is your over-under. Where are you putting your action? I, I'll have to go under, and I can't say over until I know who's quarterbacking the team. Yeah. So, so until I know that, I'm going to stay under. Once I know who's going to be the starting quarterback, or at least have a better idea, then because at, at the moment it's Brady Cook, you'd have to think. Uh, but that could change with Sam Horn, Horn coming or possibly getting a transfer player. So until I know that, it's under six and a half. I am a huge advocate of coaches getting time. I feel like what has happened in particular recently in college football, I think the, the greatest case you could uh, provide as an example of in the SEC would be Knoxville, Tennessee, but they're all over the place is fans get upset. Boosters get upset. I think social media exacerbates it. And then the administration feels like it has to make a change and guys get fired too quickly. So even if Eli Drinkwitz has a five or six win season in 2022, I don't want to see him lose his job. I think it's important, A, for the program to have continuity, but B, for prospective coaches to know that you only get three years in Columbia, Missouri, and if you don't turn it around, you're gone because then that's going to limit your hiring pool. So from that standpoint, that's important to me, and I also just want to see his recruits be able to have a chance to perform in his program. But here is something, taking a step back and looking at where things are, and this has nothing to do with the Wingo transfer announcement. When you look at the first six games that Missouri has, if they are 3-3, three and three, it would be an accomplishment, which sounds crazy because usually in a Missouri football schedule ever since the Bill Snyder model was adopted, uh, you're thinking you win at least three in September. But Missouri starts at Middle Tennessee State. Then they're, then they're uh, taking on Kansas State and Manhattan. They're at home against Abilene Christian. They're at Auburn. They're at home against Georgia. And then they're at Gainesville in the swamp. To me, if you win half of those, and you know where two of them are coming from, that means you got one at K-State, you got one at Auburn, you got one at Georgia, you got, or at home against Georgia, you got one at Florida. Winning one of those four would be good. I guess K-State would be the one that would seem most likely at this moment. Yeah. So from that standpoint, as a Missouri fan, I know many people aren't looking at the schedule, but I'm looking ahead and I'm going, hey man, this guy is going to have his hands full just being three and three to start the season. And then you look at the back half of the schedule and you haven't even gotten to the fact that you have Kentucky, you have an improved Tennessee team uh, that you are now going to play. Arkansas is trending upward with what Sam Pittman is doing. And it's not like the, the back half of the schedule is littered with easy wins. But anytime you are seeing at Auburn and at home against Georgia and at Florida, and I don't care that Florida is down, it's a new coach, 
to start your season, that is a tough way to start the season. So from my standpoint, even though I know people may be concerned about this transfer news this morning, um, I would like to see Wingo uh, have success, and I'd like to see Eli Drinkwitz get the benefit of the doubt at least through four seasons in Columbia, Missouri. All right, it is 10-29. You are listening to Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. Coming up on the other side of our commercial break, the great Dan McLaughlin will join us to talk it over regarding the Blues and the baseball work stoppage. Tim McKernan, Jackson Burkett with you. This is Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Back to Balloon Party, 101 ESPN, Tim McKernan, Action Jackson with you here on the radio presentation. And it is our pleasure to welcome to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line, ladies and gentlemen, the great Dan McLaughlin. What's the good word, Danny Mac? Well, I got to say this, first of all, Tim, um, you've got really big, and I mean big, shoes to fill in this 10 o'clock hour. You know, there's a guy that uh, hosted that show from 10 to 11, and Kevin Wheeler did a hell of a job. And, uh, you know, so I, I just want to make sure that you carry the, the tradition well. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> uh, by the way, am I, am I your first guest? You are the first guest. This is a big deal, man. This, you are the inaugural guest on the presentation. This is a big deal, and uh, I feel a lot of pressure coming on to do the show with you. How you doing? It's great to talk with you. You know, some people have theorized that that you have called into uh, the Ryan Kelly morning after is caller Dan, and I'm adamant, and I and I want to go over the audio forensics and just say, listen, that's no, not, that was not me. It's just not. It's just not you. And I keep trying to drive that home to people. So this is really the first time you and I. No, have that was never on me. Radio. That's right. Uh, you and I have. I've been on your show as a guest uh, at the other station, and uh, obviously, as uh, you know, you guys would want to talk baseball and stuff, and I was always happy to sure. do it. I, I always felt I was accommodating uh, and and happy to do it and and talk baseball and get to the the nuts and bolts of why a 3-2 hanging slider was hit out of the ballpark or why that decision was made in the seventh that cost the Cardinals or won a game for the Cardinals. But, yes, uh, I even had a gentleman come up to me yesterday and ask me about uh, Caller Dan, and I said, you know, I had heard about Caller Dan, and he asked, are you Caller Dan? And I said, you know, I did hear that excitable gentleman call into your show, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and he's a hot taker, very hot taker. (laughs) Uh, very nervous. Yeah, he very, very had a nervous. Lot of anxiety when you call it. <laughs> he, he did. He had a lot of anxiety. Uh, you could tell he was sweating in his mom's basement. And uh, right. But I, I thought he had great takes. And my favorite take when he called in and the late and God rest his soul, the late great Lou Brock was on with you, Jim Edmonds, and um, and he called in and asked if. Uh, it was going to be implemented by Rob Manfred that outfielders were, it was going to be mandated that they, they would have to be wearing face masks <laughs> in the outfield to, to protect their face uh, uh, just in case they misjudged a fly ball or if it was a bad hop. And that question was asked by Caller Dan uh, live on the air 
with Lou Brock and Jim Edmonds, and both Cardinal <laughs> Hall of Famers answered the uh, question honestly and dutifully and uh, and answered it seriously, and uh, it was unbelievable. Which is the key to such a wonderful question, and, uh, and, and that's the kind of respect caller Dan commands. But again, I want to emphasize, Dan McLaughlin, not, me. not caller Dan. Correct. And and by the way, you had about fallen out of your chair when <laughs> Caller Dan asked that question. And those two gentlemen, and God bless them, they they actually answered it seriously. And Lou Lou was like, "Well, I had not heard that yet, uh, but uh, it's a, you know, when we get to Cooperstown, I'm sure there'll be addressed." And and Jim Edmonds was like, "No, nah, I, I just don't think that would be something that we would probably want." In the game, it, it could be, uh, you know, it, it would probably be a little uh, tough to throw the baseball with a face mask, but, you know, it's probably not something you want to do. But, yes, it was it was actually honestly answered. Uh, Caller Dan's question was answered. But uh, you almost fell out of your chair. <laughs> I'm a Caller Dan Lemming, so, yes, I, I, yes, I'm a big fan whenever he decides to, uh, to call. <laughs> but it's to, not me. Uh, no. yeah, I just want to emphasize, it is not no. Dan, Dan McLaughlin. Uh, uh, no, it isn't. Let's uh, let's talk it over here. Uh, we'll be doing this every Thursday on the presentation. Last night, it looked like the Blues were going to steal a couple of points against the hottest team in the league, even though they weren't playing particularly well. And then it just got away from them in a matter of seconds in the third period. Now, trying to take it from a glass-half-full perspective, the fact that they nearly won not playing really well against a really good team and a team that a really uh, could, good team. That could turn into an even better team once they're fully healthy, that that's something to take positively. But at the same time, since they didn't play well and they kind of gave away one that they nearly had, certainly I know most fans wake up this morning disappointed on it. What's your takeaway from last night? Well, I, I think when you look at the third period and you're outshot 11-2, that, that's, that's what I took away. And, we, you know, you can get into what happened with the, the goalie interference, and I'm not sure quite how to take that. Um, I, I think it might have been a little bit of a letdown after having the excitement of what we saw over the weekend in, in Minnesota. And it's just one of those games that you're going to have when you're on the road and you're taking on a very good team. Uh, when I look right now at the St. Louis Blues, just a, a, a full picture of the uh, of and a full kind of view of the Blues. I'm excited about the Blues, Tim, because it, what they did that stretch of hockey, where they were just decimated with COVID and decimated with injuries. I'm shocked to see where they're at. Right, um, and, and that's where I'm at. I mean, I, you're going to have games like you had last night. And you're taking on one of the best, in my opinion, will be one of the best and is already one of the best teams in the league. And they have one of the best players in the league, a couple of the best players in the league. So my view of the Blues is still where it was at the beginning of the season. I thought they were talented. I didn't realize they are going to be this good. I still think they need to get a little bit more grit on the back end. Because when I, when I watch them win the Stanley Cup, and I look back at that, and I think about how big they were on the back end and the size that they had. They had some trees back there, man. They had size. And, and I'm not sure that they're there. I think they can get there, depending on what they do at the trade deadline, and, and the muscle and the grit and, and just some of the, the physicality that they, that they possessed. But um, I, I'm just amazed to see where they're at at this point. So another game on Friday night, see where they come out, see they're, how they're going to play. But I, I just I like this team, man. I, I think they're going to have a chance to have a deep run in the playoffs. That's where I come away as well, to survive the stretch where they were basically 
I, don't, I mean, to say half a team, I almost feels like you're being liberal. It was it was just a, a, a shell of, the, of the initial yeah. roster and to perform like they did, not only encouraging in the short term, but also, okay, there's some depth here in the organization. That was outstanding. So to be sitting a point back of the Predators in the Central and playing with the Penguins, even though you're not playing your best game last night, uh, yeah, I, I, I get it. It's disappointing. It's disappointing, especially with the officiating, but they didn't play their best game, like you said, outshot 11-2 in the third period, and here they are in a great spot with some depth. I take away real excitement as we as we head toward the second half of the season. I think the other thing, too, is Tarasenko is back to being Tarasenko. Um, I, I wasn't sure what to expect going into this season. The other thing I took away from last night is Shen and his line. And he played about 15 minutes last night. I thought he looked great. I thought he played a solid game. And, and when you look at what he can bring to this team and the fact that you can play him with different guys – that, that brings excitement to me, too. So once they figure out the combinations again and once that settles in, there's no reason to think that this team won't be one of the elite teams in the Western Conference. I, I truly believe that. Dan McLaughlin with us here on Balloon Party 101 ESPN. He's with us on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line, talking it over. I want to get your thoughts on what Max Scherzer had to say uh, as he was talking with the Los Angeles Times about tanking. And uh, I know it's something that, that you guys have uh, touched on over the course of many of, uh, of your broadcasts, and that is how some teams have just gone, okay, we're going to basically take the next couple of years off and see what happens. The Cardinals certainly not taking that approach. Every single year since 2000, they've either won the division, won a wild card, or at the very least been in the mix heading into September. It's an incredible run of two decades of, at the very least, being competitive if if not championship baseball, but a lot of organizations have certainly taken a different road there. Uh, what are what's your opinion on how the players are are discussing the issue of tanking and the the overall premise of tanking in the game right now? Well, I don't think you can have teams with payrolls at sixty million dollars. That's ridiculous to me. Um, and you look at like Pittsburgh, you look at Baltimore, you look at certain teams that just aren't going to be competitive. That, that's not good. And, you know, Scott Boris basically said right before the lockout, in his estimation, I think it was like 13 or 14 teams, um, if not more, he felt that by looking at their payrolls, didn't have a shot to win. And, you know, a couple teams, it, it did work for them. Uh, Houston did that. I remember they came through. Uh, they were still in the, the, the National League at the time, Tim. And I remember talking to their broadcasters, and I said, okay. I said, I have no idea who these guys are. I have no idea who some of these players are. And they said, oh, that guy out there? And I go, that little guy? They go, oh, yeah, he's pretty good. And I go, who is that? They go, that's Jose Altuve. I go, that little guy. And they said, oh, yeah, he's a stud. I said, okay. And I said, but that's the guy. They're like, yep, that's our guy. He was the only guy that they pointed to that could play. And he was making no money. So they did it. It worked. The Cubs did it. Mm -hmm. It worked. But I don't think it's a model that is sustainable um, and now look at the Cubs. You know they had to strip it down. So I, I think what you'll see is that there will there will be at least potentially uh, some type of floor to where they say, okay, we're going to have you spend to this, and then even though I don't think baseball will ever have a cap, you'll have the luxury tax, um, in which some teams are very very close. They're they're nibbling around it. There's about four teams nibbling right around that luxury tax. 
Um, but you, you will get to some type of floor to spend to. And that's, that's good for competitive reasons, and the players will like that too because that means that more players are making more money. But it's going to be complicated. I, I hope they get to the table sooner rather than later. It's good for the game. Uh, it's good for the sport, and it's good for the fans because we, we got to have baseball. Um, and I just I, – I'm a, a glass-half-full kind of guy that I'd like to think that this stuff gets done. And, you know, Randy and Michelle were asking me, when, when do you think the drop-dead date to get this thing is, is, has to get done? And in my opinion, you, you, the, the pitchers need about three weeks to get ready. So you're talking right, right around the end of February, early March. Mm-hmm. And at that point, uh, then, it gets, uh, then it's really crunch time to try to get something done. I know you were saying glass half full on it, uh, and then I would agree with you that if you don't have something going by the end of February, then it's time to start getting concerned. I was surprised that there wasn't any movement over the course of the month of December here in the first handful of days of January. Was that something that surprised you, or were you kind of expecting it to be quiet? You know what? I, I could see in the future that maybe they do this, that they, they may have found something that they like coming out of this, that maybe during the holidays, you kind of shut things down. Even after a CBA is um, figured out, that you have the winter meetings, and then the sport figures out that, you know what, we all need a breather. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, we we all need to kind of take a, a breath here and shut it down for the holidays and then get something going in early January. This part has surprised me a little bit, yes, that there's nothing going on, and, and maybe we just don't know. And and I'd like to think that. But uh, the reports are that they're not meeting, which is, to me, yes, I'm with you. A little bit surprising right now. Dan McLaughlin, check him out on Scoops with Danny Mack, and you can hear him all week long here on 101 ESPN. Danny Mack with us here on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Dan, always a pleasure. Thank you for joining us here on the presentation. I'll talk to you next Thursday, and welcome to the family, Tim. Thank you, Dan. Appreciate it, man. You got it, buddy. There he is, Dan McLaughlin, with us here on Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. Final segment of Balloon Party coming your way on the other side of the commercial break. Tim McKernan, Jackson Burkett with you. This is 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back to Balloon Party 101 ESPN. Final segment, BK and Ferrario coming your way at the top of the hour. Tim McKernan and Action Jackson with you, just joined by Dan McLaughlin on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. If you want to podcast Balloon Party, subscribe, Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers Podcasts, and listen anytime you would like. Plus, you can listen to the Ryan Kelly Morning After, the presentation I've been hosting since 2004 podcast that listen to it live watch it live on youtube.com slash tmastl you can listen at tmastl we're gonna have a brand new app debuting it's a whole thing uh and it's on 105.7 hd2 fm action jackson antonio brown released a statement last night quite quite wordy no i read i read every second of it do you believe him do you not believe him? Well, I think if we get these results back from the doctor and, it, and what he says is true, then the, his story is a lot more believable than the Buccaneers' story. The Buccaneers, as of this this morning, and then maybe it changed, um, but as of this morning, uh, reading Adam Schefter's story, uh, now I see it's written by Jenna Lane of ESPN, that uh, the Buccaneers did not have any comment 
at this moment to Brown's statement when reached later Wednesday night. In a vacuum, if this were almost any other player in the NFL, you would go, this is a scandal. Yeah, like if Patrick Mahomes said it. Huge. It's a huge moment in the game. 100%. But because it's Antonio Brown, because he has had a variety of issues, because he missed time because of his fake vaccination card, because of a variety of problems which called into question his mental health, which his statement addressed, understandably, some people are going, I don't believe him. I don't believe him. So the Buccaneers have that to their advantage. But like you said, I'm right with you. When the results come back, assuming they come back, on these medical tests that he says he's going to have, he named the doctors, uh, that will be the determining moment. If you have a coach saying you're done and then giving him the throat slash to say you're cut uh, because he's not going to go in and play, it's a problem for a guy who is the defending Super Bowl champion head coach in Bruce Arians. Certainly. But we will find out. Uh, I am curious as to how the Buccaneers respond to this today. I don't think they were anticipating this. Usually people keep their mouths shut because they don't want to risk their next job. Antonio Brown does not take things that way. No. And and you had to think there was something deeper inside. When you saw it on Sunday, there is definitely more than what meets the eye there. I mean, people don't just walk off the field. So I was waiting for this and to see that and that explanation we, now we have something on our hands where, and people might have to apologize too, because already I've seen Antonio Brown, the saying Antonio Brown's a liar and this, that, and third. But if it comes back and what he said is true, people need to be held accountable. You know, we were talking about dark horses for the uh, Super Bowl, and the Buccaneers are certainly a team that people keep their eye on. Can't possibly be a dark horse when you're the defending Super Bowl champions and you have Tom Brady at quarterback, but uh, they certainly have been dealing with some injury issues. Now they don't have Antonio Brown. Godwin's done for the year. Uh, This is a team that might have issues off the field if, 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 if what Antonio Brown said proves to be true. At this moment, uh, no comment from the Buccaneers. I imagine that will be changing in short order if it hasn't already later this morning, uh, early this afternoon. All right, it is time for us to shut it down, Jackson. It is a very fast hour here the for the fastest. presentation. The uh, it is Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. Stick around, BK and Ferrari are coming up next for Action Jackson Burkett. I'm Tim McKernan. This has been Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. You've been listening to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.